If you've ever been in therapy or you've ever read any kind of blog or listened to any kind of podcast or watched a YouTube video about self-help and growth, you've heard about journaling. And you might roll your eyes like, does that ever work? And chances are, if you rolled your eyes, you've never actually kept a journal before. Today, we're going to talk about what journaling does, why it's the most powerful tool or one of the most powerful tools for self-growth in a relationship as well as out what you can expect, realistic expectations, the best practices, how to make it part of your routine, and much more. This is kind of like a journaling deep dive for people who don't know exactly what journaling is. This is going to peel back the curtain on everything you've ever wanted to know about journaling. You're listening to the Relationship Revival Podcast with John DeBach, also known as Mr. Spirituality. That's me. I'm your host giving you insights and guidance from over 10 years in the field of this amazing journey we call romance. On this show, I go over everything you need to know about how to get into a relationship, how to get the most out of a relationship, and sometimes even how to gracefully end a relationship without pulling your hair out and going crazy. And occasionally, I'm even joined by new and old friends who are also relationship experts to bring you guidance and wisdom with new perspectives. Thanks for stopping by. Let's talk for a second about what journaling can even help with. A lot of people, when I tell them they really need to start keeping a journal, look at me and go, well, what that, what's that going to do? And journaling has a couple things. First of all, it's sometimes good to just keep a record of when things happen, just on a very practical level. If you've ever been party to a lawsuit, one of the first questions they'll ask you in any mediation is, do you keep a diary or a journal? And the reason for that is we have very bad timelines in our head of what happens when. We are more likely to forget or misremember parts of our lives than we are to remember them accurately. It's just been proven. And so they want to get it out of the way if you're in a court case, because if you have a journal, that can look like a very accurate, uh, you know, beat by beat, minute by minute recording of what actually happened in whatever you're dealing with in the court case. So sometimes just keeping things straight of when things happen is useful. And you'll find when you read back through your journal, uh, you'll, you'll see, oh, that happened a lot longer ago than I thought, or the opposite will will happen. It'll say, oh my God, that was just a week ago, and I thought it was a year ago, and I'm giving myself a hard time about this. I need to give myself more time to breathe. So keeping an accurate timeline, as well as an accurate series of events, is just good. It's a good practice to have. But the bigger reason, and the reason why therapists, counselors, coaches recommend journaling is because it helps you uh, process emotions, okay? Yes, it can help you stay goal-oriented and task-oriented. That obviously goes in line with what I said earlier about keeping a timeline straight. That, that works going backwards or going forward into the future. You want to make sure you're on task. But for me personally, the processing of emotions that a journal allows is much more important and significant to somebody in their life than anything else. And the reason is emotions are complicated. Emotions, we like to, we like to have these labels of I'm sad or I'm frustrated or I'm angry. But the truth is almost everybody who comes into counseling doesn't know exactly how they're feeling. These labels are a 
poor definition for what's going on internally inside your heart, inside your head, spiritually. There's a lot going on and you have a lot of components to your life. If you're an adult and you're in a romantic relationship and you're dealing with stress, stress is kind of this catch-all term for something's wrong and my body doesn't like it. But it could be a million things. You know, I've had people who come in saying they're stressed about their relationship. And after 10 minutes, I can tell what's wrong with their relationship. But guess what? Their work is having a bigger impact on their life than their romance. And it's just, it's just manifesting in their relationship. But really, it's something happening at work and vice versa, by the way. Sometimes people come in and they, they say, oh, my the business is getting in the way of the relationship. Well, not really. Your relationship needs some work and it's affecting you at work. So processing those emotions, learning how to speak about them is incredibly important, especially if you have anxiety or depression. So when you have something that is, it feels so overwhelming. It feels so big that you can't even begin to discuss it. The best thing you can do is start describing it on paper. I learned this. I had, I have two or I had two Holocaust survivors as grandparents. And I had one grandparent, my, my grandfather talked about it all the time in grave, gruesome detail. And he would tell you the details of certain horrific events. He would tell you timelines. He would tell you how certain family members perished. He would tell you everything. And then his wife, my grandmother, would never, ever talk about it. And I noticed something as a child. She never was able to even bring it up without completely being destroyed. Because in her mind and in her emotional world, that was still a concept that was so big and so catastrophic that she it was beyond definition and she couldn't formulate it into words. And when something doesn't exist, when it has this infinite growth in every direction, that feels like it's unsurmountable. My grandfather didn't do that. What he did is he was able to take all the stories of the Holocaust and tell them. And every time he talked about it, it wasn't like he wasn't affected, but he was able to come to grips with it. It was like he took it all, put it in a pot and, and looked at it and said, this is this, this is this, this is this. And now it's not my life. I can see it. I've moved on. I don't want anybody to ever forget it. I'm going to tell these stories for the rest of my life. And indeed he did, but that's not who I am. My tragedy doesn't define me. My joy, the future defines me. And anytime he gave a toast or an announcement, or he cut his birthday cake, he would, yes, he would talk about the horrors, but right away, right after he said, now I have so many children, and I have so many grandchildren, I'm living in this great country of America, he became the man who succeed, who successfully became this smashing, debonair guy who, who kind of lived the American dream. And my grandmother never learned to wrestle with it. Having a journal, his journal was telling the stories of the Holocaust. That's the way he had a journal. He would tell anyone willing to listen, his kids, his grandkids, people at the park. He would tell anybody. It was the way he journaled. It was the way he relived them because he wasn't the, the most, you know, literate guy. 
And keeping a journal for you, for me on a much smaller level, I hope nobody's going through a tragedy like that, helps you encapsulate the difficult parts of your life, right? If you're having financial trouble, for example, it might feel like there's no answer in sight and, oh my God, how are you going to play for this or that? And there's so many other things. But if you sit down and you say, well, these are my expenses. This is what I need to earn. And I don't have that. Now it's simplified. It might not cure the problem, but at least it at least it frames it in a way where it doesn't feel insurmountable. And that's really important for negative emotions. You want to reduce them, reduce them down into something that's so simple. Now, achieving goals with a journal is obvious, right? How does a journal help you achieve goals? Just like we forget in the past, we have a tendency to lose track of things moving through life, things come up. A journal is a good, a great way to check in. How did I check in today on my goal? And then you, and then when you realize, oh, I didn't do anything, you turn the page back and you go, I didn't do anything yesterday. And you turn the page back. I didn't do anything the day before that. And you start realizing I need to get my butt into gear. I have this goal and it's not happening. Journaling reminds you. It reminds you that you need to have forward movement. If you want to accomplish something and you don't have forward movement, a journal is a great way to shine a light on your laziness, your distraction, and it gets you to commit to doing something, hopefully doing something the next day. So you might ask, well, what kinds of things should I journal about? You could journal about anything that's important to you. I have some clients where literally just mentioning their morning routine, their lunch routine, and their evening routine, it's all they write. It's three sentences, four sentences. I got up, had this for breakfast, went to lunch, did this. And then, you know, in the evening, I did this with my partner. And that's all they write. And they do that for a week. They get into the habit of just writing the facts. Because you know what happens? The emotions start to come. If you have a goal, obviously, you should make a little footnote, like that's the, you know, the last thing you talk about. Any movement on my goal, yes or no. That's it. So writing about anything is good. And writing, and writing even a little bit every day, I would say is better than having once a month a session where you just completely unload. Because that habit is incredibly powerful to, to develop. And I think we should talk about uh, ways to make journaling a habit because it is a habit that you need to develop. Anytime you want to develop any habit, the, the general rule is it takes about six months to really embody something and make it part of your life. Whether you're exercising, you're practicing meditation, whatever it is, six months on average. Some people it takes a little longer if it's a harder thing, it takes a little longer than that. Some people are a little quicker to pick up habits, but six months is generally the rule where you feel like it's become part of your life. So my advice to you is if you're going to start journaling, pick it up. Don't make it a burden, right? Train your brain to appreciate the process of journaling. Don't have a direct goal in mind. Just think of it as this is my time to get my thoughts down. No one can take this from me. And it's valuable. It's valuable to be able to process things on paper and articulate the way I'm feeling and experiencing the world into words. And I promise you, if you do it every day for a month, 
So 30 days. If you do it every day for 30 days, you'll see some benefit. I promise you. I don't know exactly what the benefit will be. It might be that you're like, okay, well, it's just, it's proven to me that I can take on new healthy habits. That, that would be your baseline. Like anyone can learn that, right? But you might learn that you are more anxious than you, than you realize, or you have more physical issues than you realize, or the exact opposite. You might realize, you know, you might think of yourself as an anxious person, then look back through the 30 days and realize I was only anxious one day this whole month, but it was really bad and I was focusing on it too much. I got to let go of that. A lot of great things, but doing it every day for a short amount, five minutes, that's all you really need. Five minutes every day at the same time, preferably. Research has shown that if you make something a fixed time, a fixed part of your day, it's much more likely to become a routine. Brushing teeth in the morning and the evening, taking a shower in the morning or in the evening, people develop patterns. And if you can find that five minutes, a slot for it, where it's not competing with something else, and that's something that you enjoy, and you teach yourself to enjoy it, it will become uh, a habit. Before, before you know it, it'll become a habit. Uh, speaking of routines, you should learn to incorporate it into your routine. So if you're the kind of person who jogs, after you get your jogging clothes on, you should take, Make that part of your routine. Before I go jogging, I journal and then I go jog. Or if you're the kind of person who first thing in the morning checks emails, do it before you check your emails, right? Make it part of that routine because once you insert it into a structure, it's going to be easier to keep on it. Um, how do you get discouraged is another question. Because a lot of beginners are like, I've been journaling for two, three weeks. I don't see anything. How do you keep from getting discouraged? So the, the answer is don't make it a burden. Reward yourself while you're doing it. Keep telling yourself mentally, this is going to help me grow. Don't think of it as an external goal. Like I know if I journal for six months, I'll be a happier person. The process itself you, should, you need to trick your mind to learn to enjoy it. And I know that sounds like you're going to lie to yourself, but the truth is you're not lying to yourself. You're actually hoping that journaling will become beneficial to you. So you're just kind of pushing it al along a little faster by telling yourself mentally that it's good. So keeping it short in the beginning and knowing that you can literally write two sentences, like I don't know what else to write today. I just felt like I had a bad day. That counts as a journal entry. If all you have is 40 seconds to say, I'm in a really bad mood and I don't want to talk about it and I don't feel like journaling and this is why one sentence done, 40 seconds, that counts and that's meaningful because then tomorrow, hopefully when you're in a better space, you'll be able to explain why you didn't want to journal with clarity and with distance from that negative emotion. So what are some expectations you should have about journaling? You should expect that you won't always want to journal. You should expect that some days it'll feel very cathartic and other days it'll feel like a chore. And once you get over that chore feeling, it'll just feel as natural as brushing your teeth. And you should expect that you're going to start learning a lot more about yourself than you thought. It's amazing how much people write down when they start journaling. It's one of the things I really encourage a lot of my private 
practice clients to participate in, a journaling practice. And sometimes I tell them, you know, a week in advance, I'm going to ask you to bring your journal next week. And I want to talk about some things that you're journaling about. Um, and, and sometimes the entire session will just be going over their journal because if they wait and they don't bring it up, you know, you know, six days later, like let's say we have a session on a Friday, something happens on Saturday and I don't see them till next Friday, they're going to have a lack of memory. It's going to start fading away. But when they journal and they journal the next day and the next day, sometimes it's amazing to them to, I don't even have to say anything sometimes. They're like, you know, I was really upset and I was going to talk about it, but then I noticed Sunday, it didn't matter as much Monday. I kind of let it go. And we talk about how they're able to let go faster. I mean, some of the, some of the revelations you have while journaling are incredible. They're incredible. And it's like, it's like, it's like being on a fast pass to growth. Honestly, when you learn to journal and make it part of your everyday practice, your sense of growth financially, spiritually, health-wise, I mean, that's why trainers have you keep a food journal most of the time because it accelerates your growth faster than almost anything because it keeps yourself, it keeps you accountable and shines a light on things you need improvement on in a way that's non-threatening because you're bringing it up to yourself. Right? You don't have to get defensive because no one is saying, hey, you should work out more or, hey, you should be nicer to your wife or your husband. You're writing it. So when you read it, you're like, yeah, I guess. And it's, there's no need to get defensive because it's coming from you. That's the beauty of journaling. Now, how should you journal? Are there any specific journals that you should grab? Is there a specific, a specific way? There are lots of prompts. So this is kind of related tangentially. There's there's lots of prompts you can find on the internet for what you should journal about. Some of them are imaginative prompts. Some of them go over specific details in your past to get the ball rolling. I don't really care. If you feel like you're you're just every day showing up and you're just not able to get something on paper, those prompts can be meaningful. I tend to do a lot of prompts with gratitude, like tell me something physically you're grateful for or tell me something that spiritually you're grateful for or financially you're grateful for. Gratitude is a great, great practice to have in general with or without journaling, but journaling is like where it really just starts kind of connecting to things. But in terms of how you journal, that really depends on you. If you're the kind of person that likes to be romantic and have a pen and paper and really have like a leather-bound journal, then that's what you should be doing. If you're the kind of person that doesn't like to write, I have some clients where English is their second language and the idea of writing in English does not appeal to them. It's difficult. It's frustrating. And they came here at an age where their first language also wasn't very good, whether it's Hebrew, Spanish, uh, you know, I have one client who's, uh, Korean. So it's like, you know, it's like they, they're kind of in that no man's land where they just don't feel like they have a command of the language on paper. For those kinds of people, if you're, or even, if, listen, it's not exclusive to someone where, you know, English is their second language. If you're the kind of person where you're like, I just don't like writing, keep a vocal journal. You can take, you know, your cell phone and with a voice memo app, record. You can record things. There's even, uh, there's even transcription services on the internet that are AI powered now where you can upload the, the recording and it'll transcribe it and give and spit out 
a transcription of the voice. You can leave yourself Google Voice messages. That's a quick and easy way to do it if they're short and Google Voice will transcribe the message. It's not going to be 100%. None of them are, but that's a very cheap and, and easy way to have a vocal journal that then becomes transcribed into a digital format. If you're like me and you like writing on a keyboard more so than uh, on pen and paper, then you can keep a, a journal in a Google Doc or on a Microsoft Word Doc or on a Pages app on an Apple or you or Evernote or Notion, whatever writing software you like or prefer, do it. The big benefit with digital is uh, that you can search. So, you know, you can, I, I know I'm a PC guy, so I hit control F and I search for a term and it just comes right up and it's easy and I can skip through and go, no, not in December, in March, there it is. And I can go through and comb through my uh, journals a lot faster that way. If you're the kind of person that doesn't like to talk and you don't like pen and paper and you don't like a laptop but you're on your phone, you could take a journal just by texting it to yourself or doing it in a notes app. Totally fine. The the thing is, what is the path to least resistance for you? If you feel like I'm going to type that's the easiest, but I'm going to forget about it, then get a physical journal that you carry around. If you're the kind of person that says, well, you know, I, I, I think I could talk, but I'll forget, set an alarm for yourself on your phone, eight o'clock every night for two minutes. You just talk into your phone. By the way, the average words per minute someone speaks is about is some depending on how fast you talk is between 100 and 150 typically words per minute so if you're talking for three or five minutes that's a significant journal entry it really is um so don't get discouraged if you feel like i can't write don't have expectations of what it's going to do for you just know it's good for you and it's going to allow you to figure out how to process things in your life keep track of your goals explore things in your past that you didn't think about journaling has so many benefits and in the context of a romantic relationship which is obviously my specialty it helps people see when they're making advancements in their intimacy and when they feel disconnected. I've had people who've been married for 20 years start keep a journal. When they started keeping a journal, they realized, oh my God, you know what I realized? When I don't have sex with my wife for more than five days, I become a jerk. I'm That's a real revelation someone had that they never put the pieces together for 20 years and they were able to see for a month. Oh my God, the fifth day, every freaking week, that's when I become angry, resentful, and we were able to solve the problem, a 20-year issue, because the guy took it upon himself to write a journal. Romance has a timeline. Your intimacy has ups and downs. Learning to track it is so vital to accelerated growth. It's your data. It's your data set, right? If you don't have data on a problem, you're never going to solve it. If you're interested in learning how to get the absolute most out of your romantic relationships, then you're in luck because I have put together a free workshop or masterclass, if you will, about three secrets 
that people in happy relationships have discovered. You can view the workshop at mrspirituality.com slash three secrets. Again, it's completely free. Just go there and watch it. It'll help you on your journey, give you some wisdom, some things to think about. The website again is mrspirituality.com slash three secrets. That's mrspirituality.com slash the number three, the word secrets. It's all yours. Enjoy. Enjoy.